This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. MBSP Season 3, Episode 34. My name is Joe Nagy, always joined by the wonderful Brandon Worth. Brandon, we've been on break for the past couple of weeks, always coming down to the last little bit of it, but Brandon, Christmas happened just a few days ago. How was it for you? So Christmas was very solid, definitely a little bit quieter than it is normally, but that's not a bad thing. Got some well-needed rest and, of course, great to spend time with family and being able to see everyone was definitely great. Joe, how was your Christmas? Not too bad. A lot of the same. Got to hang out with some family as well. Just got to be, you know, around people that I like to be around and got some good presents. So it was a great time nonetheless. But we got a great show for you today. Hopping into the NFL, quick little recap. Brandon, what happened on the Monday night game? Uh, Ian Buck was thrown to the Wolves. And yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, that's about uh, right. I, that's about right. Yeah, it was a, just an, it was just a travesty for the Saints. I mean, you're in a great position. It seemed like at the beginning of the year, you had everything working. And then from then on out, it's just been a roller coaster. I mean, losing Jameis, now you're losing some, you lose Michael Thomas, you got COVID issues. You have these injuries left and right to your offensive line. It's been it's just been a rough set sail for this Saints squad, and it hasn't gotten any better. And last night was certainly an example of that. I mean, rolling out Ian Book, poor guy, really never had a chance against the Dolphins. They pressured him all night. I believe he was sacked eight times. Yeah, that's that's not great. Getting sacked eight times, and I could have swore his. Yeah, the pressures had to have been north of 20. So, I mean, just that alone can explain to you why he didn't have a great game. And, I mean, you got to credit to the Dolphins because, I mean, what a story they've been. I mean, this team started <laughs> out with, uh, I believe they won their first game of the season, if I remember correctly, then proceeded to lose seven consecutive games and now have won seven consecutive games. So pretty much now putting them in the driver's seat in – the potential playoff picture is I think if they win next week that they will clinch their spot in the That's NFL postseason. Isn't that insane? I mean, it's just That's been crazy, a dude. roller coaster. Yeah, for sure. And like, I don't know, the Saints, I just feel bad for because like you said, everything was looking up for them. Like, like they're saying like, yeah, they might struggle without Drew Brees, but like off the start of the season, they were playing super well. But then you said all like these things culminated with losing Michael Thomas, Thomas, you know, Jameis Winston happened, all that just really kind of took the wind out of their sails. Did you see uh, the thing where uh, they texted or they reached out to Drew Brees and was like, "What do you think about coming out of retirement?" And he just sent back a selfie of him golfing in uh, yes, in that's Hawaii the, or something like that. That was funny. The- that was the best hands-down response that that man could have had. Because, I mean, you were, you were in that desperate of a situation if you were the Saints. I mean, you lose Simeon after, like, pretty much relying on him and Taysom Hill after Jameis went down. And then both of those guys are out. And now it's like, all right, we're either starting, like, redshirt rookie Ian Book, basically the equivalent. Or, yeah, we could bring Drew back for one game who already knows our system to a T. But... 
I don't know. That was a great response. And I mean, he, go, go drew. I mean, in that scenario, I mean, he had a chance to come back, but he knows exactly what he wants to do. And I mean, he's yeah, done a great sure. job in the, he's done a great job in the booth. I know he's, he's got a lot of expectations on his, as his part in the broadcast, just because of what Tony Romo has been able to provide. And I think Drew's done a great job of that. So, I mean, that was just a, a really crazy idea, but Hey, I mean, if you're that desperate, you got to do stuff like that, especially when the playoffs are on the line. Yeah, I mean, at seven and eight, it's not like it's out of reach for them because they could clearly go on like a two or three game run and maybe clinch it with the right things going on around the league. But like, it really stinks for New Orleans to have such high expectations, even though they had low expectation at the start of the year. And then for them to just build it up and then all of a sudden everything just come falling and crashing down. And like Ian Book, like you got to give him credit. I mean, he's obviously probably wasn't expecting to be thrown in as a starter this late in the season, most likely, especially in week 15 when teams are really starting to gel together and really, and you can understand like which teams are going to be good and stuff. And then get tossed in against the Dolphins who are going to be able to, you know, give you pressure and stuff like that. And as a, as a young quarterback, that's going to be tough for you to get pressured by these offensive lines and then just not really get any time because although he got sacked eight times, how many more times of that has been, you know, him pressured, him getting pushed out of the pocket, him having to get make quick decisions that he's not usually used to being able to make. So that's a tough part too, especially with only, you know, your only place where you can really aim for is like Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram and then maybe Humphrey. Like those are the only guys who I think were really his targets. But even so, like, you don't really have the the assets that you're really used to uh, for him. So that's just the rough part about him hopping in this situation. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just a, being a rookie and starting in this scenario, not necessarily like you got all the ones, you've been able to practice with the ones, it's week 18, you're out of the postseason, like that's a good time. Not week 16, this is a must-win game against a defense that is as hot as any team in the NFL. I mean, they, I believe they had... I've, they've had four sacks and I believe four of their last like eight games on this win streak. And that's ridiculous because their front seven has been phenomenal, including, you know, our boy Sealer up front as well, former Fair State Bulldog as well, who played well. But I mean, yeah, it was just a, a tough game for the Saints. I mean, you just really are in a tough spot. The defense, they didn't play terrible. I mean, to, they... Two and the guys had some big plays. The Matt Collins catch down the sideline, certainly one of them. Jalen Waddle was basically unguardable. That was the biggest difference in that passing game. He had 10 receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown, as well as I believe he had um, – he or, you know, that was the touchdown where he had on a reverse play, which was pretty cool. We got to see his yeah. signature signature celly in the end zone, which was nice. But uh, Tua played pretty well. Uh, the defense played really well. And really, I mean, Alvin Kamara couldn't get anything going on the ground. and. That was really what the Saints really needed to stay in this game. But all in all, Dolphins 23 win. They're 8-7 and seven now in the driver's seat. I guess what a time to be alive. Never would have saw this coming. Yeah, would have never thought that the Dolphins would have been, like you said, in the driver's seat and really been a force to be reckoned with when it comes to playoff times, especially for these past couple of years where they've been kind of near the bottom of the league and kind of been the laughing stock. But nonetheless, it's just a culmination of, you know, Great job by the GM, great job by the coaches, and, you know, resiliency by the team to really come back and really just play well uh, for these teams and really just kind of wait to, for everything to come to fruition, I think is a big thing, and for them to really go for it. I mean, Dolphins really haven't been good for these past couple of years, so it's much needed for the fan base. And, I mean, much needed for the fans around the NFL because everybody loves a good comeback story. I mean, I'm Absolutely. glad that the Dolphins are doing good. I mean, Dolphins 
I only liked the Dolphins when I was a kid because their mascot was a dolphin. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. That's the one thing. It's like they just really started to play it. One thing, though, bring back the old logo with the dolphin with the helmet on. I don't like this new one. Oh, yeah. If you're going to go to the Super Bowl, bring back the old one where it's like instead of, like, going through the sun or whatever, it's got just a football helmet on. It's got the yeah, little smile. Yeah, The Marino throwbacks. I know what you're talking about. For for sure. I know. Sometimes, sometimes Super Bowl. Sometimes these modern, modern, simple uh, logos just aren't doing it anymore. Yeah, we need some. We just need a little bit of chaos. That's all we need. Just a little bit of chaos. Just a little bit that really makes you think. Like, there's a little bit too much going on here. Sure, sure. It'll be interesting. I, that and all the throwback Super Bowl would be kind of interesting. But anyway, moving sick. on. Sunday night football, Washington, Dallas. This game was also not a game. I mean, Cowboys crushed Washington 56-14. And it was, I mean, if the Cowboys can put together an offensive performance like this every week, they will be considered a Super Bowl contender. Like, there's no question about it. When that offense is working because the defense has been great all year. I mean, Trevon Diggs has been spectacular. His 11th interception oh, yeah, sure. last out on the first play on defense was incredible. I mean, when when you have that working for you, the pass rush has been great. I mean, they were able to stop the run pretty well. I mean, Gibson got a couple a couple nice plays, but those were primarily off the edge on passes. So, that's not really the front seven's major fault, but I mean, when the defense is working, your coverage is doing well. You're stopping the run, putting pressure, and then your offense is working that efficiently. I mean, they're almost unstoppable, and we saw why. Yeah. It's just been a really tough time for like this team since Dak went down, and now that he's come back, they're do- they're just they're just on a roll. I mean, full head of steam, eleven and four this year, and I mean, the only thing that really holds us back from putting Dallas as Super Bowl favorites, to be honest, is the consistency. Because if we saw this week after week, they'd be the front-running favorite. There's no question about it. It's just we've seen the games, example, Washington two weeks ago when they were playing at Washington where they had that 24 to nothing lead and then they almost choked it all the way. Those are the games that make us concerned. So, I mean, you look back at some of those games and you got those concerns, but all in all, if this team plays like this, yeah, look out. It's deadly. Absolutely. And I mean, the guy, like, especially with Dak Prescott, who's been not like super injury ridden, but like been kind of off and on because he's needed to take, you know, two or three weeks off because he's, you know, especially with that right shoulder strain, I think it was in what, 2019, 2017, something like that. Or yeah, 2019, Mm -hmm. when he had to take about two or three weeks off for that. And then not to mention just the absolute disgusting compound fracture in his leg last year. And, you know, like, a lot of people have started to doubt him. And I don't know why because, you know, in college he was incredible. When he was a rookie, he started to show true colors of what he was going to be able to do. And, I mean, now that he's really been able to get back fully healthy and have reins to this offense again, and then not only that but put things around, especially with, you know, Zeke's been kind of a little bit, you know, down in the dumps, not been playing as well. But he's been able to kind of really be someone who's able to pick it up for him as well. And then, as you mentioned, the defense too. It's just a great culmination of everything going on for them. And honestly, America's team might be able to make the Super Bowl this year. It's been a while. They've been the laughing stock of the nation because they've called themselves America's team, but they haven't made a championship run since like the 90s. So this is a great opportunity, great chance for them to show a little bit, cons- little bit of consistency. It's going to be hard, especially in the postseason, playing all these good teams. 
But if you can show just a little bit of consistency, like you said, Brandon, it's going to be a great opportunity for them to show all these doubters and all these haters that America's team is back and ready to play, and they got the right tools to. Their defense is a Super Bowl championship caliber defense. Their offense, like last week, shows Super Bowl Super Bowl type tendencies. But it's going to be if offense can stay any sort of consistent, their defense has been showing it, but if offense can do it, I think Super Bowl is going to be in the talk and going to be in in their hands pretty soon if they can show it out this well. Yeah, 100%. And I think the biggest thing that honestly came out of this game not was not necessarily how well Dallas was playing, but what was culminating from Washington's poor play, a.k.a. the punches thrown on the sideline. And I think you have Oof. to look at the situation that this, this football team is in, literally, because that's their name now. But you look at where they've been. I mean, this was a team that last year was arguably the best team in the division coming into this season mm -hmm. because they, they had the best, they had one of the best defenses in the NFL. Their offense was making enough plays to get by, especially with Heineke's playmaking ability. But I mean, you go into this year, you get an upgrade in Ryan Fitzpatrick to lead you and really do what he does. And he's basically, I mean, the, the guy who goes wherever he goes and wins games. He's a journeyman, and he's one of the best in, that honestly, history that's done that so well. So you had those expectations going in. You keep the defense the way it is. You get, you let Ryan Fitzpatrick, you make Ryan Fitzmagic, or Magic, excuse me, Fitzmagic. and make that happen. Fitzmagic do his thing, and then you end up getting yourself into the playoffs. And, I mean, he goes down first game, and now you're saying, oh, no, well, now what do we do? And the defense has not been able to step up enough. And, I mean, the loss of Chase Young days definitely hurt that immensely. So now you're in a situation of, yeah, we got to outplay some of these powerhouse teams just with the guys we got. And they don't have as much talent compared to, especially against, like, a Dallas team. They don't have the talent to compete with them, off, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, their struggles happened basically after that first possession. They, I mean, they did pretty well that first possession, but – I mean, after that, it was just it was just downhill, and they could not catch up. I mean, Dallas had their number. Kellen Moore was dicing that that defense. So I think you have to look at where they're going to go. And simply, like, I think Jack Del Rio's done a great job with his defense, but I think you got to look, how is there going to be ways to improve this? Because cause it, it's, been, it's been in the making. I mean, not only were the punches thrown in just blowout game, but this team has had – under expect or over expectations comparably to how they've played so far. And that's not going to go well, especially with the players. Absolutely. Like you just got to kind of figure out what you're going to be able to do. And I, I totally forgot that Kellen Moore was a coach for the Dallas Cowboys. You tossed that and I was like, wait, is he still playing? But I just oh, totally no. forgot that he is. He was still going. That's crazy. He could be a head coach. Question mark. Yeah, that's true. Going if, with he, the... if he works it out. Yeah. I mean, he, he's offensive coordinator like probably. Mm-hmm. It would be I'll be interested to see. I know that Jacksonville, we'll get into that game in just a minute, has a couple interviews set up, and we'll get into that game once we get that far. Uh, looking at the 4 o'clock Sunday games, Las Vegas kicking down Denver. When in doubt, when the Raiders are on the schedule, mark it down for a close game because I swear this team does not know how to run away from any team in the NFL. It's almost impossible. They did it, I think, with the Chiefs, I think, last year at one point. But that was literally it. Like ever since then, they've all been close games. This one's certainly one of those. 17-13 win over Denver. I think for I think this game had huge implications 
because, I mean, both these teams are in the playoff hunt. I mean, both of them in AFC divisions worthy of still fighting for, a.k.a. the AFC West. But now the Chiefs are running away. They know they got to get every win that they can to get into that seventh or sixth spot in the playoffs. And, I mean, right now, Raiders have that edge. This win was huge. I mean, for Denver, it was a tough situation going in and you're going to have to play uh, Mr. Drew Locke, basically, because of Teddy's <laughs> concussion protocols. So that was not a good way to get into, but... They just could not get they just could not get it going on the ground. And that's been this team's MO from day one, being able to out physical teams defensively and offensively, being able to make tackles up front, pressure the quarterback, and run the football between the tackles effectively. And they they did one of those right. I mean, they held Derek Carr to two hundred and one yards. Josh Jacobs certainly got his on the ground. But I think you look at how the Raiders played. I mean, statistically they played phenomenal. They should have probably scored thirty five points just looking at statistics, but that's not how this game's played, of course. And, I mean, you look at what Denver did. They struggled. They stayed in the game, but they just weren't able to get back on top late. And that's really been a story with this team. It's good, but just not good enough. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you can tell that with their record. I mean, they're 7-8 and eight as well. So, like, they've just been kind of in between everything. They've definitely been having a little bit better of a season than, like, I was expecting them to, especially with just how they've been able to kind of, like, monitor themselves. But, Las Vegas, I think every game that they've won has been in like a 10-point margin, except for one where they won by 11. I think it yeah. was against like, I, yeah, the Eagles where they won 33-22. to 22. That's just like, that's not great for a coaching staff or just a team in general to be like, we have the lead, but one bad play, one interception, one fumble, or like one bad throw that could lead on a turnover on down that's the game for us because, like, yep. one play for the other team can drastically turn the tides of what the game's going to turn out to be. And I think that's the one thing, too, is if they make the playoffs, that's one thing they got to focus on during those practices is, like, if they have the lead, don't let your foot up. Let Don't let your foot up off the gas because if you can keep it going and get those two-score two leads where it's 14 points rather than just 10 points, then that's going to be a drastically different approach that the other team needs to make when it gets down to those crunch times. Because when you win games like this, where it's just by three points or where it's just by seven points, like I said, one thing could turn the tide of the whole game. And in playoffs, that's a lot more likely to happen because anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen it before. And if the Raiders want to go far and if they want to bring a championship to Las Vegas, then they got to really work hard and be able to, you know, set themselves apart. But right now, I don't know if they'll be able to do that. They might make the playoffs, but they're going to be struggling once they do. Yeah, I mean, they had plenty of chances to run away with this game. I mean, they had they outgained them in yardage very, very largely. But, I mean, they had turnovers. They coughed it up twice on the ground. They had the interception. I mean, you look at those scenarios of, like, man, those are on key, those are on key possessions where you could turn the tables. And, frankly, like, they just never did that. And that was just a, a really big thing with this team, like you just mentioned, Joe, it's like, is this team going to be able to pull away, especially in tight games against some of these better teams when you come playoff time, if it was assuming that they would be making it. But I mean, this is going to be a concern going in for the Raiders is like their lack of firepower is definitely not going to keep them talent wise with some of these teams like the chiefs, like the bills, but they have the tools fundamentally. It's just, can they be able to use those, take care of the football, win the trenches and be able to control the game. Because if they do that, they're going to have a good chance. But when you turn the ball over, that's just going to make it worse, and that's going to keep them out of it. 
Exactly. But anyway, Chiefs, Steelers, yeah. Steelers, not good. That's really all you have to say on this game. See you later, Big Ben. I think that's yeah. all you got to say because this year has got to be his last year, especially, I mean, 7-7-1, seven, seven you've been able to have a sort of okay season. Like, it's not terrible, but, like, you've been kind of bouncing around between Ben Roethlisberger. Like, he's been able to, like, play good, but, like, you can definitely tell, even, like, two or three, four years ago that his age was getting to be a factor because, I mean, when he was in his prime, he didn't move around a lot. He was a pocket passer, and he still is, but, like, he was a guy who, you know, would still be able to kind of bounce around and get to the outside maybe and, like, get a throw outside of the pocket and dodge tackles. But if you see him now, it's shotgun. He gets a gets the snap, takes one step back, and just stands still. He might bounce a little bit, but, like, if you are Pittsburgh and you want to make a championship run when you could have made a championship run when you had that undefeated, like, run for 11 games or whatever, like, I don't think Ben Ralph – you just got to cut ties with him because Ben Roethlisberger is, like, although you've had so many years with him, I think his stubbornness with not wanting to leave and having a good year to end on is starting to show because, like, you just need a guy who's going to be able to really be able to get outside of the pocket and be something because when you're Kansas City on defense – the one thing you need to work on, especially the week going up, is pocket penetration. That's all you got to do. Because if you can just make him get hurried or force or make the pocket collapse on him, what's he going to do? He can't scramble. He can't do anything like that. So I think that's the one thing is like that we've been able to see with a lot of these losses with Pittsburgh and a lot of these times where they've not been able to put up a lot of points is when you know their, their passing is a little bit lacking. Because who's the running back? Najee Harris, right? Yep. Like, he's been able to do pretty solid. I mean, 93 yards uh, on 19 carries, that's a pretty solid job. But, like, when you need to rely on that passing and when you need to rely on your quarterback to do something good, Ben Roethlisberger now, Ben Roethlisberger back in the day maybe, but Ben Roethlisberger now is not going to be that guy to do that. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, I mean, Big Ben was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I mean, 10 years ago. I mean, talking about that Super Bowl against the Cardinals, I think definitely was one of those highlight staples with him. Oh, one of my, I think my favorite game of all time. Fun fact, that game was, I believe, actually on my birthday. So that was one of the first games I actually got to watch, like the entire game of it. And it was, (laughs) it was an, it was an, I mean, what a birthday present. I mean, the San Antonio Holmes catch, I mean, to win it. I mean, that was an incredible Super Bowl, the James Harrison interception return. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is hard for Pittsburgh fans because I know, like, Ben Ben means the soul of this Steel City. I mean, he's been here so long. He's been an impactful player, and he's been able to really, like, right the ship in a lot of these scenarios because, I mean, we're looking at this game on paper. Pittsburgh does not look like a 7-7-1 and team. You got to give Mike Tomlin credit. I mean, this team has got a lot of holes. I mean, the defense has been banged up. They, are, mm-hmm. they just look like they're really hanging on a limb right now. And, I mean... Certainly, Kansas City exploited that, but I mean, they've been able to stay with seven and seven. I mean, that's got to be an impression of greatness from Mike Tomlin because this team certainly is not seven and seven and one on paper. So, the job he's done has been fantastic. But I mean, you look at this game and what Kansas City did, it's fair to say that they're back and they're they're hungry because I mean, we've seen this team before. I mean, this is a team that got to the Super Bowl just a year ago, and we're seeing why their offense has so many weapons. And I mean, regardless if Travis Kelsey played. They still scored seven or thirty-six points, and they still got guys that are in their four-five slot that could easily be two-three in other offenses at Detroit. But I mean, you still look at this team, and the defense has stepped up immensely. 
I mean, you look at being able to pressure Ben Roethlisberger, force turnovers. I mean, they made they made it just absolutely a horrific, a horrific game plan for the Steelers because they really had to just try to throw the ball and catch up. They're not a great throwing team. They want to go to Harris on the ground, establish tempo, and they couldn't do any of that because the Chiefs disrupted them so much. So you look at what Kansas City's been able to do on this run, how they've changed it around for their defense, and you got to see that this team is back and they're ready to go playoff bound deeply in this season. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? And Mike Tomlin has not had a losing record since he's taken over. Nope. Since it's 2007, insane. he has yeah. not had a losing record. Nope. The worst record Which he ever either. had was what? Two years ago at eight and eight. Yep. But dude, that's ridiculous. That, mm-hmm. that is ridiculous. I was talking to my dad actually, uh, like when we were uh, like when we were watching kind of the tail end of this game, and he was like, "Do you think Tomlin might be on his way out?" I was like, "Why?" No, because like I was thinking about that. I was like, "When?" Because like we were got on the topic of that. I was like, "When was the last time that he had a losing record?" And I was like, "If he hasn't had one, one losing season, they probably aren't even gonna have a losing season because they have a good chance to finish the season with some wins because they only have what." The Browns, which might be a good test. I mean, they have Browns and Ravens who are going to be tough games, but they could still win it. They could still end it with at least a tie. But, like, you can't really put Mike Tomlin in a situation where it's like, all right, you got to go after one bad season after having, you know, 11 – or what is it? Probably – what's 21 minus 7? 14. 15. 14. Yeah, 14. Wait, what? 15. My bad. My bad. I haven't had we a haven't math been class a, in high school. A, I haven't yeah, had we haven't a math been class in, in high school. Anyways, but like, yeah, it's like that situation where it's like, why would you fire him if he's going to have such a good season and why, that he's had such a good reputation? I mean, I don't know. That's just crazy to me when he when he when I figured that out when he hasn't had a losing record. That's just that's not that Bill Bell. That's like Bill Belichick type numbers. Oh yeah, I mean maybe not necessarily the full stardom of Bill Belichick, but you gotta respect the job that he's done for sure. And I mean, this team could finish out eight and eight and maybe squeak in the playoffs. Eh, I'd prefer some other teams to get in, maybe like Tennessee or um, maybe even. I mean, if the Ravens can get healthy, they could beat anybody. We've seen that before. So I mean, those are certainly going to be options. But moving over to the NFC, Chicago. I don't know how <laughs> they got it over Seattle. That game-winning touchdown and a minute to go. This looked like it was going to be Seattle. It still looked like it was going to be Seattle, even though the snows definitely could have favored Chicago. But, I mean, this game just seemed very intriguing is the word. Because you were like, yeah, maybe the Bears could pull it out. Even though in reality, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know the great odds of that. But got to give credit. They got it done. Just, uh, I mean, Nick Foles and the guys got it done. And you got to be, you got to be at least a little happy that the Bears finally put it together once. But. I just feel bad now because I feel like Matt Nagy won his job for the rest of the year. And, I mean, the reality is... Your fans are probably not happy about that, most likely. Yeah, I, th- I, I agree. Like, I think it's a, it's a win-lose because you're like, yeah, I'd rather lose out, get a nice pick, and move on from Nagy. Is really... Um, I mean, I think we should go from Matt Nagy to Joe Nagy, but that's just my opinion as far as coaching candidates. But that's their decision. I wouldn't but... mind an NFL coaching job straight out of college. That would be pretty <laughs> nice. Hey, what's your what's your sales pitch to Chicago fans for you being head coach? You know, they say that Nagy or one Nagy can't be better than the other one, but here I am. <laughs> I'm your nice. solution. You can't have yes. two bad Nagys in a row. 
that maybe ah, yeah <laughs> hopefully yeah anyway we'll uh yeah but uh i think the biggest thing coming out of this game is where's seattle gonna go from here i mean you've seen yeah. rashad penny do some great things like he's been able to do so well i mean he had 135 yards on the ground I mean, I think the reality for Seattle is I think you take these last two games and you cherish what Russell Wilson's gave you because that might be the last two games you'll see him in the Seahawks uniform because, I mean, he's made it clear that he he would love to go to, to some other teams. And, I mean, I think that alone says, like, his relationship with Pete Carroll is I don't think the, the right one for him feeling moving mm-hmm. forward. So I think you have to prepare for that. That might possibly be an inevitable. So, I mean, do I think Seattle fans want that to happen? No, I think they'd like Russ to stay there his entire career. But, I mean, the reality is him and Pete Carroll don't have the same vision moving forward, and that's just going to hurt the franchise. So mm-hmm. I think you might have to explore a trade for him and just cherish these last two games he has in Seattle. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm glad you brought up because, like, that's another thing I was talking to my dad about actually over the weekend was just like, it seems like Pete Carroll has kind of changed like what his approach is to coaching. Cause I think he just like, I don't know what it is, but it seems like he just has too much power from like what I've been kind of reading and what I've been hearing from just like other opinions and stuff. Cause like what happened to like the Super Bowl run where Pete Carroll like put all of his trust in Russell Wilson and, you know, they were able to kind of, it was felt more of like a collaborative effort rather than just like, strictly coach and player type relationship it seemed like they worked together a little bit but they've been kind of falling back from that and you would think with Rashad Penny and with DK Metcalf and having those offensive type uh you know assets I was gonna components those offensive components with those guys along with Russell West I always say Russell Westbrook I don't know why I do that it's Russell (laughs) Wilson every time I don't know maybe Russell Westbrook's the next but when you have yeah maybe maybe But when you had those offensive components centered around them, you would think that, you know, it wouldn't be anything but success for those guys. And it wouldn't be anything but, you know, domination on the offensive side. Of course, you know, defense might need some work or that might be some time to blame for some games. But, like, you'd think with what they've been able to build on the offensive side that they'd see a lot more success, but they haven't. And you got to wonder, like, what is actually going on behind the scenes? What's going on? in the headsets that's going on that's like on the sideline too is is Pete Carroll kind of blaming this on Russell what's the what's the relationship between the two guys now that we saw was so strong only a couple years ago and how has it been able to kind of have this such a large falling out that's been able to now Russell Wilson's like yeah I want to trade and now it's going to leave Seattle Seahawks fans with finding a new quarterback and saying goodbye to one that's brought them a championship and brought them so many good times and seasons it's going to be kind of tough for them to be able to figure out what they want to do going forward. Most likely it's going to be Russell Wilson getting traded. I don't think that those part ways with Pete Carroll just yet because he is a good coach, but nonetheless, like Russell, it's either he's gone or Pete Carroll's gone. And I think the organization as a whole is going to make the decision to, you know, go separate ways uh, away from Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's sad to see because, I mean, I loved I loved the times being able to watch Russell Wilson in Seattle because that team certainly was special. I mean, getting being able to get a ring certainly exemplifies that. But it'll be interesting moving forward where, where he might end up. So maybe New Orleans should go get him. Maybe a possibility. Yeah, I know maybe. PFF for our football focus said that'd be a good idea. I could get on board with that. I mean, him and Kamara. That sounds good, honestly. That would be, be good for them. I think he'd work yeah. well with Sean Payton. Yeah, I don't know if that I don't think that was one of his four teams. I think it was like the Raiders, the Giants, the Bears, and then I think one other team that I can't remember off the top of my head. But hey, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. But 
Uh, speeding through these last half of games here, Cincinnati destroying Baltimore in an AFC North showdown. I mean, it was just one-sided. The <laughs> Joe Burrow, woohoo, five twenty-five in the air and made it look easy. Jeez, dude, that is, that is ridiculous. He's really starting to really pick it up a little bit and kind of, I think, finally start to find his stride a little bit. Like, he kind of had, like, that rookie woes and kind of, like, the second-year slump, but now he's really been able to just really pick it up and start to show everybody, like, yeah, I am the best college quarterback to ever play, and I'm going to bring this to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he proved himself for sure. I mean, I think, like, you look at the offense and you see all the pieces are coming together. I mean, it's a really young team, but boy, they look like they've been there before. I mean, they really were just completely efficient on Sunday and just showed nothing. But I mean, I don't know how else you could have made this game better for them. Honestly, like they played it perfectly and they, they just destroyed that Ravens defense. That defense needs a little bit of a reset button. They need some of their guys back from COVID and they need Lamar back and they need not only Lamar back, but they need a healthy MVP caliber Lamar back in order to get back into the postseason here. Cause now they're slipping away. The dolphins, I believe are now flipped on top of the Ravens and knocking them out of the seven spot. So now you got to battle back to win these games. And like you said, Joe, already, they're going to have to play the Steelers and they're going to have to, are they going to play one more team? I believe, I think they have to play the Rams actually. Now they think about it. Those are two tough games down the stretch, and you're going to need number eight if you're going to make a comeback in this. Or John Harbaugh's team's going to be going home early after an eight and three start. That's tough. Yeah, that's not great, especially when you know you got to start winning some games. And like this is like crunch time. Those games that you lose, especially like as big as this one, you know that's is probably most likely going to put you out of the playoffs because you know Bengals. After this, I think they have. Who do they play next? They play the Chiefs, which is going to be tough, but then they play the Browns again, and most likely those are going to be wins. And, you know, Ravens are going to have to win out to be able to kind of lock that spot and clinch the division. And I don't think, especially with the way Joe Burrow's been playing, he's going to be able to give uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs a little bit of a run for their money, and I think he's going to be able to really put it away against the Browns. So, you know, it's the it's the Bengals' division to lose, but the Ravens have a good chance of really shocking the world and upsetting the Bengals and clinching that division most possibly. They got to play out of their minds, but they can do it. Yeah, they're going to have to get it together, but you got to be you got to be feeling good if you're a Bengals fan with Joe Burrow. I mean, that's whew, That's good stuff right there. Uh Chargers and Texans. This one a little bit of a shocker, the Texans pulling off the upset, Davis Mills getting a win. Uh but really it was Rex Burkhead show. I mean, he was fantastic in this game. Uh, I mean, they established tempo on the ground, and the defense got the job done, a.k.a. Tavir Thomas, former Bulldog, with the interception there to seal it, basically, at the Hello. end of the game. That, that was pretty sweet. But, hey, I mean, they played well. I think what the Texans knew going into this game for them to win is all they had to do is get their guys in space to make plays, especially on the ground game, and you give Davis Mills the easiest reads possible. And that's what they did. I mean, he was 21 of 27. Didn't have that. He had some good throws. I'm not going to say, like, he didn't have a, ter a great performance. But, I mean, there was a lot of throws where he didn't have to make a bunch of big plays. They were just check downs, easy first read throws. And, I mean, that's what you want your rookie quarterback. You wanted him to have the least pressure as possible. And Rex Burkhead was definitely one of the reasons why. Um, but, I mean, on the other side, Justin, <laughs> Justin Jackson came in really well for... Oh, the Chargers. Herbert just looked off today. 
or Sunday, I should say. I mean, he yeah. just looked off. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, he was 27 to 35. I mean, on paper, that looks great. But I mean, the two interceptions, some of, he almost had another interception. It was just like one of those, you're like, he just doesn't look the same. I'm a, I mean, the stats look the same, but he doesn't look the same. And that Chargers defense just really struggled. And I mean, it's just going to be a tough situation now for the Chargers. If they would have won this game, they're in the drivers. 100% they'd be in the postseason. And now they might be fighting their way to scrap in. Because, I mean, you're talking, there's six teams right now that are around 7 and 8 and 8 and 7 going into the last two weeks of the season. Anything can happen. That's a fact. Yeah, that's for sure. And, like, that's one thing I was going to bring up, too, is, like, Chargers really dropped the ball because they could have probably clinched the – I don't know if clinched the division probably, but they could have really done something to, you know, set themselves apart and really been, or yeah, sorry, clinch the wild card uh, with a win here. But now they got to win out. And that's going to be a tough thing to do. Uh, I mean, they got Broncos next week, so it's most likely going to be able to be, you know, a good win there. And they got Raiders who, like we said, have trouble staying in the driver's seat uh, when it comes to having the lead and really making it a big change. And, you know, the charges, especially with Justin Herbert, and well, as well as he's been able to play, if you give him a little bit of a spark, he's going to be able to light a fire with it. And, you know, Chargers got a good chance to make the playoffs. But that's the one thing is, like, a lot of these teams, like, we haven't really seen any teams go, like, anything crazy. I mean, Chiefs are 11-4, and four, I guess, but there's no teams that are, like, you know, out of this world like we've seen with, like, the 16-0, and like, Patriots, what we've seen when the Steelers were undefeated for a good amount of the part a uh, season or two ago. Like, we haven't really seen that team who's just been absolutely dominant in every single game that we've played, which kind of you kind of expect to see because the National Football League, but like it's still something else because like we've it's rare to see uh, a league that's usually not so evenly spread out with talent and wins like it is this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. You're not seeing a lot of the juggernauts that we normally see. Like, I mean, we saw the Chiefs last year pretty much running the table. They were like what fourteen and two, if I remember correctly. You got like you got the Bills who were fantastic last year, but I mean a lot of these teams that we consider the leaders and like the, the the head honchos of each division, you would say, like in the AFC is a lot different than the NFC because I mean the NFC you got the Packers, you got the Cardinals, maybe Ooh, I, don't, I don't know about that, but I mean, you got Tampa Bay, but all these teams that have ten wins and that are kind of spaced themselves from the field where the AFC it's like everybody's within a game of each other, so anything's possible going yeah. into this really out outside of Kansas City. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you look at the Chargers and there's a lot of there was a lot of people that were saying, you know, Herbert might be a better option going forward than Mahomes after the first start of the season, but I think a lot of them might be kicking themselves right now for good reason because Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, everyone, and he's not going anywhere, and he's going to be still doing Patrick Mahomes things. Uh, moving forward, the Battle of the Tankers, Jacksonville and the Jets. The Jets forgot how to tank more than Jacksonville. They win 26-21. Uh, just kidding. Uh, teams, aren't, teams aren't tanking, right? Yeah, no, no, I think tank, no, teams don't tank. What do you mean? Teams yeah, there's no way. It's not like they played a third-string running back, but um, James Robinson getting hurt definitely hurt the Jaguars mm -hmm. in this game because he's been the heart and soul of this team going down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, the, the Jets did very well on the ground. Michael Carter seems like the guy for the future for them. Um, Zach Wilson showed some wheels on that sick touchdown run as well. So that was yeah. cool. Mike I mean, White's fact, backup is actually pretty good. Yeah, Mike White's backup. <laughs> yeah, Mike White, the future of the New York Jets. Oh, and then Zach Wilson, whoever that guy is. But yeah, I whoever mean, that guy is. But 
Yeah, the Jets getting 273 on the ground was the difference in this game. I mean, that was really what gave this game a win for the Jets. Jacksonville moving to 2-13 and 13 ahead of our team that we'll talk about later in the draft position board. But I'll tell you why that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Tampa Bay rolling over Carolina 32-6. to six. Uh, Yeah, doesn't matter who you put on Brady's team. They're still going to be the team to beat. Yeah, that's the one thing is like rarely do you see – Really, do you see a quarterback who's able to like lead this team as well as Brady did? Because like that's the one thing is people always say like he's not the goat, he's not the goat. And like although I'm reluctant to say it, because I do think like there's competition with him and Aaron Rodgers, and like also like the older quarterbacks that have been able to play really well, like Joe Namath and stuff like and Joe Montana or stuff like that. But like I don't know, anytime it just seems like anywhere you put him in any scheme, Tom Brady will do well. I keep saying he's got to come to Detroit and he'll solidify the goat talk, but. Like, any, anybody you put around him, doesn't matter if he's missing people or if he's got, like, a surplus of talent, he's going to be able to do well. And, like, you've seen it with what he's been able to do this season 11-4. Most likely, they're going to be able to make a run to the Super Bowl. Probably, and they got a chance to go back-to-back. But 32-6, to I mean, although it is, was against the Panthers, who are 5-10 and right now, but 32-6, to it just shows to prove that, like, the Buccaneers, they know how to finish games, and they know how to not take their foot off the gas. Because when they're in the lead and when they have a chance to put away the game, they'll do it. Yeah, no Godwin, no Gronk, no problem, really. And I think you look at I, – I also love the the Lions situation, by the way. I think that is the truest way to build them as the greatest goat. Because that'd be the – that's that's the bottom – that bottom of the barrel, really, when it comes that's, to – Yeah, well, like – uh, I, okay, I think I, you could argue that Jacksonville is by far the worst team in the NFL oh, compared yeah, to Detroit. Sure. But yeah. I mean, Detroit Detroit is the franchise that needs this the most out of you know, compared to Jacksonville. But I also like that you picked uh, all quarterbacks um, or all Hall of Fame quarterbacks named Joe. Uh, a little sus name wise, you know, but it, that's, that's it's, fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I I didn't really realize that, but you know, it's I said what I said, and I don't regret it. So. Hey, no, that's fair. Those are some those are some good names. But yeah, I think I mean, as any quarterback in the, the GOAT conversation, I mean, you could are even the best in the NFL, you're you're gonna be the guy that's responsible to deliver wins, no matter who's on the field. And Tom's certainly done that. I mean, times in New England, I mean, we saw it this last week. He can do it with anybody. And I whether it's Tyler Johnson is a wide receiver one or Wes Welker, he's been able to do it, regardless of who what us as media can compare about ah this team's offense is not very good on paper, but then boom, Patriots are thirteen and three headed to the Super Bowl, and you're just saying, huh? That doesn't make sense. But twelve's been a big reason why, and he's showing why. But um, speaking of the Patriots, they lost on Sunday, thirty-three to twenty-one over the Bills, and the Bills need this every week. This is what they need every week. They need to be able to throw the ball all over the place, especially with the fact that Josh Allen is their best rusher. Their quarterback is the best rusher. That's not good, but that's just their system, and it works. So this is what this team has to do. And the fact is, like the Patriot, you know, the Patriots going into this game, they're they're gonna they can't hold up and attract me, which is exactly what happened in this game. The Bills outran them. That's the one thing that they had to make sure that they could not let happen. That defense had to make sure that they contest the game because I saw the stat here, and it's totally like one hundred percent accurate. The Patriots are zero and four when they allow 25 points over 25 points that's because they're that's that's how they play the game they want to keep it small and they want to be able to control the clock when it fundamentally 
And the Bills, they the Bills just outran him in this game. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie was awesome. I think that's cool to see. I mean, considering that it was Diggs and literally that's pretty much it. Sanders was banged up in this game. The no Gabriel Davis, no Cole Beasley, but Isaiah McKenzie stepped up well. And the Bills are nine and six now. And they're looking at playoff bound for sure now with this win. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the the Bills, especially like I'm pulling up the standings, my bad. My computer's being a little bit slow. Like the Bills have a good chance uh, to put away the Patriots and really do something. The Patriots are really surprising because I did not think, especially with Mac Jones, I knew Mac Jones was going to be good, but I didn't think Mac Jones was going to be able to lead the Patriots to, you know, quite possibly top their division and then possibly winning the division. I mean, it's tied right now, nine and six between the two of them, Bills and Patriots, but like they've played three times this year. And although Bills have gotten the, the best of them out of those, uh, out of the two out of three, but like you still look at it. They've been close games, and, like, the Patriots have been playing really well. But, like, Bills, I think, have a really good chance to, you know, do some damage. I don't think they'll really go too far. They might win one or two playoff games, but they probably won't go, like, to really make some history or anything because I don't think they're there at that caliber yet. But they have a good chance of, like, making making some headway and making some noise uh, in the playoffs. But, yeah, Bills, I really like them. They've been able to do really well. The Bills fan base needs this. They deserve this. And, you know, Bills Mafia, they, they deserve the world. And I think this is finally time that they're getting what they need and they're getting the getting the football team that they've desperately desperately needed to revamp and revitalize and rejuvenate uh, that city and that fan base. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at potential Super Bowl contenders. I don't think the Bills are now... You talk at the beginning of the year, they're definitely in that conversation. But now, after seeing what they've done this year, you're kind of... I, I don't know yet. Just because the inconsistency. Yeah. It's kind of like Dallas, but they've been more con- inconsistent than Dallas has. So, because they don't have necessarily the same amount of tools and talent wise as Dallas does to be able to squeak out those games when, you know, your talent, you know, the classic talent doesn't work hard when, you, uh, what is it? I don't know what it is actually. And I don't know where I'm going, but you know what? You know, insert the, the cliche quote that it's like, hard work beats talent when talent fails work hard. Thank you. That's the one I was looking for. Yeah, that's what but, it is. When it comes to that classic cliche and you put it back to both teams, like the Cowboys have that talent to be able to squeak by in some of those games where the Bills don't, and that's just the big difference. But uh, one team that does have the talent that just did not show it on Sunday, the Rams beating the Vikings 30-23, to Matty Stafford did not look too good. And I think that's one of his worst no. games this season. But at the end of the day, the Rams' defense is still able to get it done. And that's been the big story of this team is if the offense slips up, will the defense be able to catch them? And this was one of the weeks we saw they did. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that they're 11 and four. And we've seen like every time, like you exactly, like you hit on the nail, the nail on the head. Every time that they're able, like offense is really picking up, they've been able to really show it out on defense and really win games that way. Of course, like they've made some bad, they've had bad losses. I mean, when they lost the Titans, I mean, Packers, they probably could have won. I mean, that's a little bit of a swing. It could have gone either way. Uh, but And especially when they uh, lost the Bronx, or that's preseason, my bad. But, like, when they lost earlier in the year, like, it's just tough because there's some games that they could have won. There's some games that really could have put them at a spot where they would be 12-3 and or 13-2. and But instead, now they're 11-4, which is still a good spot. They're still in one of the driver's seats. I mean, and especially looking at it, I mean, they just got to hold it out. I mean, they've clinched the wild card. But Cardinals are still close to that point where they could do some damage. I mean, they're 10-5, and five, so they're right on their heels. 
but Rams just got to really put it away. And I mean, if Stafford can get some more consistency and the offense can really do some work, especially with the defensive consistency that we've seen so far this year, it's going to be really, really scary to see. And I'm sticking by what I said. Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Matty Stafford's getting a ring, and he's going to get the recognition he deserves. I'm sticking by what I said earlier in the year. All right. Love it. Love it. Uh, Philadelphia 34 to 10 over the Giants. I mean, Giants just need to. I know they said they're bringing Jack back Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. I get that, but here's one thing Detroit. Is that really needs... what you need, Giants? Is that really what you I don't you know. Need? All I'm going to say is Detroit, whenever the Giants are on the phone, do not answer ever again because this franchise has wasted so many good players, and uh, that's gonna that's not going to change until something drastically happens. So at the end of the day, I don't I, I think that Jalen Hurts and that squad are doing a great job. I mean, they've pulled it together. As much as Nick Sirianni has questioned people, he's finding out a formula to get it towards the postseason. So Got to respect him for that. This time they did it in the air instead of on the ground. I mean, you use those multi-dimensional tools. They could beat anybody going down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see. But Indianapolis beating Arizona 22-16. Cardinals have now lost three straight. The curse of Detroit is upon them. You should have posted the score. Uh, so I think right now, yeah, like Cardinals lose the rest of the games down the stretch. Detroit curse? I don't know. I think so. I mean, Detroit curse is alive and well. And, I mean, Cardinals, they don't have the – I mean, they got Seahawks coming up. But Cowboys, they could go five in a row maybe. Who knows? But I don't know, dude. It's like – or, sorry, four in a row. But they got a, they got a spot now where they got to dig deep and get a little bit resilient because I thought they were going to be able to kind of get back on track with a win against uh, the Colts. But now that they lost kind of big with a 20 – I mean, only by six, but 22 to 16, they got a Cowboys offense that is really scary when they're clicking. And if they're not able to do that, you I mean, they clinched a wild card, yeah. But, like, still, I mean, a wild card is not as good as, you know, getting to buy the first week and being able to get that extra week of recovery and that extra week of practice to go into, you know, playoff play. So if they're able to really show out and really win the division and hope – and, I mean, if the Rams, God forbid, they lose two games in a row or the last two games and kind of make it so that way the Cardinals can get back in that spot where they are at the top of the, top of the division – but Cardinals, they got a spot now where they could prove to everybody that they don't have the Detroit curse. I think they do. They might, they're might. they probably going to lose the Cowboys. And I think the Seahawks are going to upset them and shock the world a little bit. But, you know, Cardinals, they got to they gotta really dig deep and pull themselves up by the bootstraps and really get something going. The former 7-0 Cardinals, now 10-7. and Boy, what an article that would be. Isn't that ridiculous? Like that's just I, that's bad, dude. That's bad. But they got to figure it out. They got to get their guys healthy, and they they've really got to they got to just I don't know what they exactly need to do. Like they need to get back to hard nosed football. That's really like been pushing them forward. And I mean, Indianapolis certainly showed what they should be doing in this game. I mean, especially on the ground. I mean, just Jonathan Taylor has been fantastic all year. So I think you have to you have to look at the Colts as a potential contender. I mean, shout out to Dan Orlovsky, man. He's been pounding on this team as good, regardless on what how bad they were doing earlier in the year. They said they could he could make it. Man, what a what a what a call that was. Because this team looks good. Their defense is very, very, very stout, especially up front. So I mean, you look at potential teams 
in the, the AFC that could potentially make some upsets. I mean, the Colts could be on the top of the list because of that defense and number 28. Exactly. I mean, Colts have been – I've liked the Colts for a while. Uh, I mean, you know, I like Michael Pittman and them. and I mean, they played pretty solid last year, and they were able to make a good playoff run. But, you know, Colts are a team that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, you know. Like, they've really been – they were a sneaky 9-6 and six team. I mean, these, this is a team that put a 40-burger on the Bills, 41-15 win. And, I mean, they've been able to do some really good damage. I mean, they lost to the Buccaneers, which was a close game, but – you know, when they're able to play this good against good teams and when they're able to step up to competition, which is a good thing, and then not step down to competition. Because, I mean, they put a, when they play the Texans, they don't stoop down. When they play the 49ers, who are still good, but they haven't had a good of a season, they don't stoop down to their level. They're able to finish the job and really play well. And when they have to play those teams that, you know, are the top of their division or have been able to, might not have the greatest uh, luck with you know their season and have been kind of down the dumps a little bit but still are consistent and good they've been able to play that pretty solidly and be able to get the wins and you know the Colts have a good chance and a good possibility to uh, do some get some wins here I mean they just got to beat the t- or they got to hope that the Titans lose out and they're able to get the top of the AFC South but regardless you look at what the Colts have been able to do, nothing to shake a stick at. And even though they don't get the playoffs, which, I mean, is everybody's end goal. And, I mean, when you don't make the playoffs as a good team, it's kind of a chalk it up as an L season. But when you're able to have this good of a season and be able to kind of, I'd, I'd say shock doubters a little bit with what they've been able to do with that team, I think it's going to be a win in their books and it's going to be a happy time for some of their fans. But nonetheless, if you don't make the playoffs, it kind of stinks. But I think it was a good, great season, good season for them. And they got they got nothing to look but up, but they still have a good chance to make the playoffs if they're able to win out. Yeah, I think you. I think this is going to be very interesting to see how both those teams do. Just because they're kind of on polar opposites right now. Indianapolis is trending nothing but up. Arizona trending nothing but down. So really, to see how these two teams go down the stretch will be interesting. Uh, last two games here, starting Packers Browns. Uh, yeah, Baker threw this game away. I would say. It's not all his fault, though, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I mean, Baker Baker had four interceptions, and I watched a lot of them. Two of them were, oh, they were blatant bad. But, I mean, the last one you could argue there was definitely DPI on um, that Rizul Douglas clinching interception. But this team has has been good, but you you just know they're not good enough. That That's that's the fact of it. And, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is, like, you're looking down, like, the potential end of the game here they're down two and they're on these fourth and shorts and they're still throwing the ball despite how inaccurate baker's been it's just hard for me to see like you got nick chubb who's ran all over this this green bay front seven and they're not handing him the football i mean it's just hard for me i know that the time's an issue i know that but this final drive like you still had time you still had a minute you had the ability to even call outside tackle plays to run towards out of bounds. So I, I just really don't know what the Browns need to do moving forward because it's pretty obvious number 24 in Nick Chubb is the guy that's going to be one of the catalysts to lead them there. But if Baker just gives away the football this much, they're not going anywhere. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't really have much to say in this game because it was just like you basically said it all already, but like Packers... It was their game to lose. They didn't lose it. 24-22. Browns just played bad. I mean, 7-8, they've been kind of lackluster. 
I mean, they've been solid, but like Baker Mayfield, four interceptions. What are you doing, guy? Like at some point, you got to look at yourself like on the bench and just like have a moment and say like, what am I doing wrong here, and how am I gonna fix it? Because no one's gonna feel sorry for me. I gotta really, you know, nut up or shut up, as uh, some people might say, and really play well. I mean, especially with 222 yards, that's okay. But like with a quarterback of his caliber, you gotta really be putting up some better numbers, especially if you have that amount of yards and four interceptions. Like, what are you doing, guy? But you know, Packers—they played incredible. Aaron Rodgers played super great. He played consistent as always, and they've just been clicking on all levels. 12-3, and three, they're the best team in the league right now, and they've been showing why. It was a close game, but nonetheless, it's a W in the column, and they've been able to kind of clinch what they need to – or clinch their spot, so all good for the Packers. But, I mean, they don't really have much competition in the division uh, that they're in. So, not to throw shade at our Lions, but it's just the facts. Yeah, we'll cover them here in a minute. But other final game, 49ers and Titans, I mean – you look at the this game just completely flipped two halves. I mean, the Niners, it was all Niners in the first half. Brown or Titans couldn't move the ball at all. Um, it was it was really a struggle bus, but then they remembered, oh yeah, we have AJ Brown on our team. Maybe we should throw him the ball. And then it actually worked out for them in the second half. So I mean it was definitely a good thing to see AJ Brown back on the field, um, him being able to produce at his level. And, I mean, the Titans, it's really next man up on this team. I mean, they're 10-5, and five and they've definitely shocked some people. I don't. I think the expectation for this team was, I think, where they're at. But the fact that they've done it the second half of the year without Derrick Henry, I think has made it even more impressive. And you got to give credit yeah. to that defense, too. I mean, they locked down well in the second half. Yeah, for sure. That's one thing I was going to bring up, too, is, like, the absence of Derrick Henry. is like you didn't really think that they were going to be playing super well, especially, like, on the offensive side. I thought they were going to fall out a little bit. And when I saw that Derrick Henry was going to be out for the season, I was like, well, there goes cute or Tennessee's chance to really make a season out of this. But they were really able to pick themselves up and kind of show, like, we're not just a Derrick Henry team. We got people that can really step up. And like you said, the next man up mentality. And that's what they've been able to do. And it's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, you really, like, when you're looking at guys like McNichols, uh, Deontay Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, they've had enough guys that it's just been a really – it's just been crazy how well they've been able to pick up for um, Derrick Henry's absence. So, I mean, this has been really fun. I mean, the Titans are a team that you're like, never know. They might shock the world. I mean, the based on the way they play, Mike Brabel has his system put into place. This team really has a lot of different dimensions, but it revolves around their playmakers. It revolves around number 11. The fact they could get Derrick Henry back in the playoffs would def- is definitely going to be um, – it's going to be interesting just to see how he comes back. And I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Tennessee does, but finally here to wrap up the show, we'll, we'll talk about what happened in Atlanta. Falcons beat the lions 20 to 16. I mean, I was, I had the unfortunate honor of watching this whole game start to finish. I probably shouldn't have, but I did. My cholesterol is up, but that's fine. Um, but I think the, the fact of it is like, I think we have the ability to beat some of these teams. It's just, we just don't have, I don't, I, we just don't have the, the talent to compete with some of these other teams. Cause I think like this team is way better than it should be on, on paper. Like that. I don't yeah. think like even taking out biased, like 
I think people can agree what the Lions have and what they've been able to do with it has been astonishing. Because we had we've nothing. had we've had seven games where it was less than a score difference where we lost. And even if you take like four of those games, you're looking at a way different team. Like you're looking at a way different outlook on the season. You know? Mm-hmm. Like we had and even if like you just flip all seven of those games, we're then a nine and four team. Like you kidding me with that? Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like you can't like yeah. you can't knock that. And I mean, there's times where like you just see this team and like you they can't they embody Detroit grit and Dan Campbell's been able to just kind of really make that his MO and that like type of uh you know motto for the team. But like you said, we don't have the talent to put ourselves over the edge yet. And if that's getting a good receiving court, I want Ross St. Brown's good. But is he a every time you throw it to him, he's going to be an electric type play? Every time you throw it to him, he's going to be able to get the first down? No. Do we have uh, I'm Jared Goff? I was going to say Jordan. Jared Goff, who's going to be our franchise quarterback? I don't think he will be. I don't think he's as good as uh, as he can be, and, and I don't think he's going to be the answer. But I think before we really get those – because defense has been good, but once we get those pieces on offense, we need to get a wide receiving core first and then a quarterback. We need to get at least two options at wide receiver who are able to gel well together as well as be electric and make the big play when, it's, when the spotlight is shining onto them. And then after that, we can get a quarterback – who's able to use those guys to his advantage. Because when we had Megatron and when we had Matt Stafford, we had a great situation. We had those guys who were able to play really well. But now it's like we have Amon Ross St. Brown, who, like I said, is good, but he's not you know, Megatron-type caliber or he's not franchise-wide receiver-type caliber. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we can take out of this Lions season and the outlook going into this next 2022-2023 season. One is Amon Ross St. Brown might be arguably the steal of this year's draft. Maybe. Yes. I don't think yes. he could be the full, considering that there's some other guys that have been able to produce at a high level. But I think as a fourth, I agree pick, that I think, he's in the he's in the conversation. He is definitely yeah. in the conversation. Yeah, I think you could argue that. But I think like he's gonna he's got to be a guy that we should build around because I mean the fact is like this guy has gotten nothing but better completely better this year i think that lions fans i know this is probably gonna really stink but i think based off of what we're seeing right now with potential drafts um potential mock drafts and who's gonna be going where and i think the reality is we might have to say golf one more year i know it sucks to say that but based off of this year's class I think that you there, there's probably a good chance that Goff is not gonna or Goff is going to return and it's not gonna be passed up for a young guy just yet. But I think that's okay because then you got potential bring keeping guys like Josh Reynolds who could be um impactful. But I agree, Joe. We have to find another top tier pass receiver. I'm not necessarily sure if it needs to be the first round or if it could be first round or second round, because then again, I mean, based off of where we are at the two the one or the two spot most likely thank you to the texans for basically sealing our top two draft pick spot i think the reality is we're going to be taking a pass rusher i think it's almost inevitable whether it's hutchinson or it's uh Kavion thibodeau um i think you i think you have to imagine it's going to be one of those guys but after that though 
it's going to be interesting if we take a shot at a quarterback, but obviously he's not going to start first over golf. I think it's going to have to be some sort of a stop bridge um, type of work, like with Jameis and Drew Brees type of thing where you got a guy sitting behind a year, maybe comes in every couple of games just to get the feel for it. Um, and then next over next year he takes over. But I think after that's going to where it's going to be interesting. Cause like we said, we need pass receivers. We're, we're going to need some depth on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's always good to have defensive weapons, but here's the thing. I think number one out of this season, and I know people are saying we need to start tanking. We need to get that one pick, get Kavion or Aiden or whoever you would like at that one spot. I mean, personally, I think Thibodeau might be a little bit better. I'm not opposed to Hutchinson, but what Brad Holmes has been able to do this year, I mean, you're looking at this guy's draft picks this year. They've all turned out really well. Panay Sewell has been great. Great. Aliyah McNeil has been playing a lot. Levi, we know, is a work in progress. That's when we knew when we drafted him. So he wasn't going to be the full guy, especially behind guys like Michael Brockers. We knew that. But then you look at some of the other guys. If he's been good, he's just had a couple injuries. Amon Ra, stud for a fourth-round pick. Absolutely. And so we've had all those good success. Like, why should it totally matter where we're picking? I know it takes the talent pool and chunks it out the lower we go down. But, I mean, we've still been able to find value everywhere. So my argument of we need to lose the rest of these games, I'm like, no, we should keep winning, show that Campbell and this crew can can win, and then that's going to be even better for us. Because if we just lose out, we're not going to have faith in Campbell. We're not going to have faith in Holmes going into That's not going to help anything. Now, if we win the last two games, like, hey, we got something going here. Get some momentum into the offseason. And then we get some slam dunk picks like we have later. So then you're like, oh, here we go. Now now we're looking good. I just hate the fact that everyone's just like, gosh, start losing. This is stupid. Um, I mean, Tim Boyle might have been part of that posse, but uh, I, uh, yeah, that last pass was terrible. Yeah. That was a trash read, but that's that's my argument. Stop tanking. Start winning. Let's build confidence because the more we lose, the worse it gets. That's a fact. Yeah. I don't know why we're. I don't know why people are saying let's continue to lose. Why on earth would you want to do that? Yeah, Screw that makes no pick. sense. We can pick well anywhere. Stop saying yeah. lose. That's all that's this what... franchise has done for so long. Stop it. We need to win games. I know. Cause like that's the thing is like we've had the number one pick multiple times, and has that been able to do well for us? No. It's not been able to do well no. for us because it doesn't matter where we pick. And I think with like Amon Ross St. Brown, that just further solidifies that like I think we're able to pick well regardless of where it's at. We're able to find the talent that we need. But like we've already basically clinched the number one spot or the number one pick. So let's show I like Dan Campbell. I don't I hope that Me he too. doesn't get fired after this year or maybe after next year or something like that. Because I think he embodies what Detroit sports is supposed to be. It's the Detroit Absolutely. versus everybody. It's you either are with us or you're against us. And if you're not from Michigan, most of the time, you're not going to be a Detroit Lions fan. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of coaches that have come here have not been able to embody and have not been able to embrace is that Detroit is a city that I think has been forgotten about on a lot of different avenues other than football. And that's the one thing that you have to adopt as a Detroit as a as a, someone who is a Detroit like athlete, regardless of what sport it is, 
But if you are in Detroit and if you're a coach or if you're a player or if you're a GM or something like that, you need to know that like not only are the fans starved for championships because the last one we've had was 2008 with the Red Wings, but we need to see some consistency and we need to really – we need to, instead of pushing away a guy who – really has been able to turn this team around and get a team behind him. You've seen the the locker room speeches after the games, after the wins, how much these guys like Dan Campbell and how much he's been able to really show off. Like when his system is working and when they're able to do some good, they're able to really get some wins and they're able to get some offensive prowess and able to get some momentum going behind them. But I feel like we just fire. I mean, uh, what is his name? Patricia is a different story and stuff like that, but when you have those teams and when you have the coaches who kind of embody what Detroit is, I think going with them and letting their plan come to fruition is way better than just uh, you know shutting them out and kind of firing them because Dan Campbell is a way that I would love to pursue and giving him a team where that's able to have the pieces that can get some wins and give him a little bit more of a option to go for other than just golf to Amon Ross St. Brown. It's a great situation. I think once this draft comes around, I have confidence that we'll draft well. I have confidence that Dan Campbell's going to be able to maybe get a say in this and get a team that he wants to have around with him. And when that happens, I think that's when Detroit's football is going to be able to turn around. I don't think it's going to be Super Bowl yet, but I think we're going to be able to be turned around and get some good seasons coming soon. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you bail yet. I mean, some people have already bailed. That's fine. Leave them. Train still rolls. Leave them the dust. So I think the, the reality is like some people are like, oh, well, you guys are homers. You want this to work and it, you're not seeing the big picture or whatever. And I'm, my argument is, OK, think what you just said. If we're not thinking the big picture, then why wouldn't you trust this guy? Because this is a guy that embodies the city. This is a coach that every I think you would make the argument that every NFL franchise would want a coach devoted to the city as Dan Campbell is. Are there some that's not? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You think Urban Meyer loved Jacksonville? No. I mean, he's from Florida, but is it the same kind of thing? He would have went anywhere. Jacksonville just gave him the most dough. So my argument is take a group that loves this team as much as what this Lions staff does and let them get this city passionate about a football team. And then if it doesn't work out in three, four years, fine. But the reality is, is when the more that we try to cut ties quicker, the more downhill it's going to get and the more Cleveland Browns-esque it is going to look like. Because that's what Cleveland did. And look where that turned out for all those years. It wasn't pretty. So mm -hmm. the fact is, give it some time. Let these guys nail another draft. Let's improve next year. Because this team's improved 100%. Don't look at wins and L's. Look how this team plays, and it's much better. Like, frankly, we should have won this game if Tim Boyle would have threw to the flat and sat on the cross. That's a given. You could watch the film 100 times. Craig, Craig Reynolds would have been inside the five, and we would have probably punched it in. So I think you look at how this team's played, and it's better. We look how this team's drafted so far, it's better. Everything's improving. Just ignore the wins and L's this year. Let's look at next year. That's all I got to say. But thank you guys for tuning in to this NFL super special show. We appreciate all of your guys' views this year. It's been a great year, Joe. 
I've enjoyed our times broadcasting together, and I can't wait to grow it back in 22, baby. Yeah, exactly. It's been a it's been a great ride so far. We're definitely not over by any means, and I'm super excited for what the next year is coming up for. It's the 28th of December today. Probably next episode is going to be coming out in the new year. So happy new years to all you guys. Hopefully you guys are able to really turn this year around and make some changes in your life that you want to. And hopefully that this new year and this past year has been nothing for up, but up for you guys. And uh, we really appreciate all that you guys have been able to do for us, been able to grow our platform a little bit, been able to grow our Instagram, been able to grow our listens, everything like that. It's been nothing but blessings in 2021 and hopefully more to come in 22. Absolutely. We wish you guys the best holiday season, the best New Year's. And yeah, absolutely. I think Joe nailed that perfectly. But make sure also to follow us on social media and everything with our big news coming out on the new year. Excited. We're ready. We're ready to announce it. So make sure that you tune in and follow us at the MVSP and make sure you subscribe on every podcast platform you are on, which hint, hint, there might be more coming. Oh, I said too much. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you in 2022. And as always, take care, everybody.